0: On last week, we began a series titled The Gospel. Will you say that? The Gospel. Amen. It's talking about God's good news. We started out in Mark chapter 16, verses 15, where you got our foundation. And just let me say this. I just heard this. If to believers everywhere, I stated last week that this is not the time, Rome, from place to place to vacillate in between opinion. If it's going to be God, serve God. And if it's not him, <laughs> then according to the word, that person shall be damned. But I want to encourage you as believers that now Uh, The word of God lets us know, too, that we are closer now to the return of Jesus than when we first believe at any moment, any day. I don't know when it could be tomorrow, could be next week, could be a year, could be months. It could be I don't know. But we do know that there's going to be a catching up of the saints and those who are not ready. Those who are unbelievers will be left to deal with the tribulation and things that are to come. But I want to say this. If a pandemic set you back. You cannot handle or won't be able to handle what's to come. If a pandemic has caused a great gulf between you and the Lord Jesus, uh, that is an indication that, that, that if I have not committed myself, I need to do it now. Amen. And I would say this, if someone has caused, uh, if there has been somewhat a separation between you and the Lord Jesus during this time, I submit to you perhaps there was already uh, wavering going on. So, and I encourage you to make sure that you are spending that time in his presence, that wherever you are connected, whoever you are connected to, you need to make sure that you are planted where the Lord has placed you. You can only do live stream for so long. You need to be in the place where the Lord has called you you. And that's to believers everywhere. But we're talking about uh, the gospel. Mark, and I just read it uh, from last week, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, talking about the disciples as well as you and I, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Again, we know that Jesus has commissioned us to go into all of the cosmos, the universe, the world from which we get out of that word cosmos, our English word cosmetic, go into all of the universe, all of the world. Watch this and change the makeup, change the faces of nation. It is our job, our responsibility as believers to go into all the world or every man's world preaching. Watch this. God's good news as the authoritative binding word of God. Now, our job is to preach the good news and Holy Spirit job would do the convicting. He will convict the world of sin. But our job is to preach the good news and let Holy Spirit do the rest. And sometimes when we mess up, we try to do the convicting. You need to do this. You need to do that. You should wear this. You should wear that. or you not doing this? or you not doing that? When we should point them to Jesus and let him do the rest. That's a whole another message. But let me say this, man by nature is simple and separated from God. And as a result, there is no hope of redressing him. That's why the Lord in his great mercy, his love, has provided a remedy. And that substitute for us is Jesus the Christ. And the reason why we need to really understand the gospel, and I submit to you much of what we are hearing is not the gospel. Maybe good messages, sermons that would inspire, perhaps encourage, but a lot of what we, not that it's bad, but it's not considered what God has defined as the gospel. Much of what we're hearing has to do with getting more. God is not opposed to you having more, but everything now is about the acquisition of more money, Not telling me what the purpose of the bigger houses, more cars, nothing wrong with that. But that in and of itself is not the gospel. Now, the gospel will uh, increase you in those areas. But getting new cars and getting new homes and having more money and uh, various business, all those things good. But those things in and of themselves, that's not the gospel. The gospel is understanding why we needed a substitute, why Jesus came. Is understanding his death, his burial, his resurrection, seeing him, his ascension, his seating, and what all those things meant for us. See, and here's the thing when you really have a hold of the gospel, it is liberating. And you can't understand that if you do not understand the purpose of why. Christ came. So you really can't understand who the son sets free is free indeed if you have no idea what the son came to set me free from. (laughs) And I submit to you, you can have a car and still be in bondage. You can have a large house and still be in bondage. So that doesn't mean that you have the gospel preached to you because you have a 10,000 square foot home. God bless you, I receive one. But But my point is this, much of what we're hearing is not... The gospel, because according to the gospel, we should be changing faces of nations. And I submit to you the reason why we see so many other religions on the the the, the uh, rise, if you will, is because we, a lot of Christians, are, now there's always a remnant who is trusting God. So don't misunderstand me. There's always those of us who are going to obey God and honor God. But but the commission is to every believer. But I submit the reason why you see a lot of religions on the rise more so than in in the earlier church is because while most Christians or a lot of Christians are out seeking things, the devil is on the prowl doing what he can to make sure that this gospel does not get out throughout the land. And when the message isn't centered on getting more things, it's now, if it's not on getting more, it's when you're unbroken, you can have. And why are you? I'm either free or not free. Then, if it's not that, it's God's beating you down in order to get. See now, see now, we in some stuff that's not. Are you here? So we really have to understand what the gospel is. So let's build again. On this foundation, but almost every religion teaches, and I said this last week, that Jesus was a prophet, he was a good teacher, a godly man, good moral individual, but the problem is the Bible tells us that Jesus was infinitely more than just a prophet, a good teacher, or a godly man. See, this is important to understand because this gospel, if I'm going to believe in this gospel, I have to go by way of what's written. There's a lot of gospels being taught, but there's only one good news. (laughs) Well, we seen that last week when Paul was talking to the church of Galatians. There's only one, there is no other. Now, there are a lot of imitations. There are a lot of things or truths being stated in other things, but there's only one gospel. And the most important question we will ever answer is what we believe about Christ. Until we understand that, other theological questions are irrelevant until we believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Are you with me? So let's go to John 1. This is where we stopped or left off last week. Now, John is writing to prove conclusively, someone say conclusively, that Jesus is the son of God. And that all who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, I'm going to explain what that son of God is because that's very important because it's not the same son relationship as you and I have with the father. So it's important in that day they knew what Jesus meant when he said he was the son of God. So he's writing to Christians as well as searching uh, uh, individuals who are not Christians in search. So John 1, are you there? We're going to read verses 1 through 3, then verse 4, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hold on, let let me back up a little. Start saying, oh, God, God wants you blessed. The mere fact that you're a believer, but I'm telling you, the more I... See, here's the thing. The more you tell somebody, don't, don't do this, don't do that, the more inclined they're going to do. So I see our job is to put the focus and attention on Jesus. So if you're still trying to preach deliverance out of me, perhaps I haven't received that I've already been delivered. So, so, so now, just give me some tools and resources how to come into line and in harmony with the word and you will walk in the freedom of the thing that you've already been delivered from that told you not. So consequently, there are people who think they're not free because they still have that thing, not realizing that I'm already set free. And this thing that seems to be a thorn is waning every day. But you have to know that I'm fra- are you here? So in the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. it was with God and it was God. We're seeing the plurality here. He was in the beginning with God, talking about the Father. and all things were made through who? Him, talking about Christ. and without him, the word, which is called here, wasn't Jesus, he was the Word, nothing what was made that was. Made verse fourteen, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. Take note of, in the beginning was the Word. You see this? Let me slow down because time won't allow me to exhaust it. About four or five hours. To... I wish i all had that kind of time. You got a hen in the oven. You got the chicken in the air fryer. You gotta hurry up and get home. But John goes beyond the familiar concept of what Jews as well as the Greek understood, the Greeks understood as Logos. And he presents Jesus, watch this, not as mere, just a meditating principle as the Greeks perceived, but as a personal being, fully divine, yet fully human. See, this is all found in the book, in the Gospel of John, not just so you have to read the whole Gospel of John. So he was saying Christ was not simply a personification of God's revelation as the Jews thought, just an image of God, but was indeed God's perfect revelation of himself in the flesh. So when he used the word logos, the Greeks understood their terminology of what he was saying. The Jews understood what he meant. But John was saying to the Greeks, he's fully divine, yet fully human. And to the Jews, he was saying this is God's revelation of himself in the flesh. And he said this so much so that, that he would record even Jesus trying to explain this to Philip. Let's look at this in John 14. See, and the reason why I, I want to lay this foundation, because it's hard to understand the gospel. Watch this without seeing Christ in creation. If you do not see Christ involvement in creation you will only reduce him to a good prophet a good man a good teacher but not as God in the flesh and the only way to the father is through him so so, so why because he is essential that's why I showed you last week in Acts no other name has been given Whereby man, no other name. So it's about understanding Christ's involvement in creation. John 14, are you there? Now, <laughs> uh, uh, let's start at verse 8. Jesus is explaining to the disciples now, he is the way to the Father. And as I stated earlier, you know, Jesus goes to talk about, you know, not letting your hearts be trouble. But Even now, we shouldn't, I, the believer's heart should. And he lets them know, listen, I'm going to a way. Go, go to a place for you. Um, then at one point he says, you know the way. But Thomas says, how should we know the way? And here's the thing. Just because you walk with him or have a re- or a Christian that is, doesn't mean you have a revelation of who Jesus is. These guys were walking with him. And here he, Thomas didn't even, go, go up to about verse 5 or 6. Let me show you something. We haven't even got to Philip yet. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. He just told you I was going. It, just like we've been preaching this gospel. You know, you should have some idea where you're going when you leave here because you are going somewhere. Now, uh, but you only have two options. Uh, then uh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am God, I'm a shit. Shit. the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. Listen to what he said. Now, let's go to verse 7. If you had known me, you would have, if you had recognized and perceived who I am, <laughs> you would know my father also. And from now on, you know him. Why? And have what? Seen him. He's giving us clues here. Are you, are you, you see this? Look at uh, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. <laughs> it's almost like you have not listened to one thing I just said. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you? So-? Listen, all this time. You've been walking with me, you still can't perceive who I am. All this time I've been your pastor, your man of God, and you still can't perceive. Who I am. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you have not known me? See, see uh, again, there, there's so much in this text. Again, just because you walk with someone doesn't mean that you perceive who they are. See, I perceive, let me give you a nugget. I perceive, Minister Tillery, who you are when I respond to you based upon the word. When I see you as God sees you relative to his word, I'll treat you and respond to you. See, that's having a revelation. And I won't go around saying things like, he's just a man like me. He put his pants on like me. Yeah, but the office distinguishes the man from being just like you. Are you here? That's another message. So he says, and you have not known me. He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? I will write this down. So let me just articulate what he was saying to Philip. Let's read it again. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? and You have not known me, Philip? <laughs> it's just like being a member of a church for up 10 years and still had got one word of wisdom. No instru- Won't follow the the, the the leading of I mean, we're not even going to talk about planting a seed. I got to eat. Not knowing oh, what happened when we followed the order of God. The, uh He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, shows the Father? This is what Jesus said. Philip, I am the invisible, tangible image of the invisible Father. Listen, notice what he said. Have I been with you so long? You have not known me? He's, He's giving him clues here. He who has seen me has seen what? The Father. So he said, I am the visible, tangible image of the invisible God. I am. The complete revelation of what God is like. This is what he said to him. Jesus said to Philip, You want to see the Father? And if you want to see the to see the Father is to know me, is to know God. That's what he said. to know me is to know the Father. See, again, this is what separates Christianity from all other, even when it comes to other religions. Or occultist things now. The, the 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 whoever it is is either living or dead. Oh no, no, hold on. Being that they're either still living or dead. This God is the one who said, I'm gonna lay down my life, but in three days I'm getting back up. Then he declares in Revelation: I am he who was dead and is alive. See, nobody else has done that. So they're either still here. Are dead, but nobody has lived, died, and came back to tell you about it. In this fashion. I ain't talking about somebody dying on the hospital bed and the Lord brought them back. I'm talking about told you why I need to go, why I came back. Are you here? So Jesus was saying, listen, man, to know me is to know the Father. I would write this down. The search for God. For truth and reality, and that's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to what I said. The search for God for truth and reality ends. You want to know the truth? Listen, it, let me help some of you who don't argue with people. My job is to preach the good news. And before you, this is helping you from getting in another erroneous debate with some. before you go down that road, ask them. See, see, you're coming from the biblical and except they've studied this word, they're not even about to see what, because there's no way you can study this and, and have a revelation of who he is, and we not both be on the same plane, whoever that was for. Verse 10, ooh, some, some nuggets right here. Do you not believe, watch this, let's read this together. Come on, let's read, let's read. Do, uh, hold on, hold on, let's go slower, let's go slower, because I'm going to see if you see what I see. Do you not believe. That I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me are else. Believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Hold on. The same John tells us there's things that Jesus does, miracles he performed that we don't even know about. But, but before, who see what I see in verse 10 and verse 11? No, not, not that. Warm, as they say. No, you're not even warm. It's cold as ice. Well, <laughs> I'm an Old Testament Bible theologian student. Every year, y'all read through the Bible, and y'all not getting this? Do you not believe that I am? Who did God reveal himself to Moses in the Old Covenant? Tell the Israelites that I am who I am. Y'all missing this. Do you not believe that I am? It, see, this is a whole nother nugget that you're probably not going to catch unless you're reading it. I am in the father. Verse 11. Believe me that I am. I am inside. I am within. I am father. Father in our one. In the Old Testament, God revealed Himself to Moses. Many of you remember this. I am who I am. This found in uh, Exodus 3.14. This is what you ought to say to Israelites. I am who. Has sent me to you. Now watch this, because you see, their understanding. One of the things when you, you're trying to exegete scripture, a couple of things that helps bridge the gap is understanding the historicity, the culture, the language. So John understood the culture. He understood the Jews' perspective of Jesus as well as the 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 Greeks. Are you here? In pagans. So in Judaism, I am is unquestionably understood as a name for God so whenever Jesus made an I am statement in which he claims attributes of deity he was identifying himself as being God that's why people hated him because when he said I am man you are you, you are a heretic you are you are blasphemous how dare you say you are God so when he said I am those who heard him, was, uh, th- they knew that this man is claiming to be God. Are you here? So they knew. See, to us, we, we, we most do like, we just read about, oh, okay, I am. No, he was claiming to be God. You hear? And, and, and as you read throughout this gospel, there are seven metaphorical I am statements throughout the gospel of John. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door. I am the good. All of these claims. He was claiming to be God. I am the resurrection and the life. Again, resurrection is not a day. It's a man. Are you here? I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. What was Jesus doing in all these statements? Identifying himself. So by using the term, that word Word there in the Greek is the word logos. John And they knew, again, each culture knew exactly what he meant. So John is amplifying and applying a concept, watch this, with which his audience was familiar and using that to introduce his readers, watch this, to the true logos of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he was saying that the living word of God, that Jesus is the living word of God, fully God, yet fully man. And this man who was made flesh came to reveal God to man and to redeem all who believe in him for their sin. So now we're talking about Christ in creation in verse one, we see he preexisted with the father. Go back to verse one. Watch this. See, again, I know this is somewhat rudimentary or sounds elementary, but if you don't understand this, then you can get in that vein of, well, there could be more ways. God is not so close-minded that we got to go by way of Jesus. Don't be so narrow-minded. What about people born out there in the woods who never heard the gospel? That's why we should take the focus off getting more stuff and go in the woods. So he pre-existed with the Father. Verse 1, in the beginning was what? The Word. So here he called the word, so in the beginning he went to call it Jesus. It was the word. are you here? So Jesus is our English terminology from the Greek t- transliteration eos that comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua so the Jesus Jesus is not because uh, uh, some people say oh, uh, uh, oh, man well you know a J J is not in the Greek nor Hebrew alphabet duh so since we speak." English, we understand the transliteration being Jesus. But if you want me to say Eos, I would. If you want me to say Jesus, <laughs> I'm not saying Jesus. I can't say said, But if you want me to say Yashua, Joshua, the English word. Oh, what? But y'all get my point. So it, right here, he's called what? The word. So he preexisted. Then, too, he was involved in creation of everything. We see that in verse 3. Watch this. And all things were what? Made through him and without him. See, you got to believe this. Nothing was made. So then if you can write this down and look at it at home, Colossians 1, 19, 2, 9. And, then of course, we just seen John 14, 9, which we see that Jesus is the full, watch this, embodiment, embodiment of all that God is that's what sets him apart. Verse 14, and the word became what? flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only what begotten of the Father full of grace. Now, you have spurious or false teachers and heretics. They have lashed onto this phrase only begotten to try to prove their false teaching that Jesus Christ isn't God because they say, "Oh, he's the only begotten." So, they use that to say that he is an equal in essence to God as the second person in the Trinity. So they see the word begotten and say that Jesus is a created being because only someone who had a beginning in time can be begotten. But what they fail to notice that begotten is an English word uh, translated. Begotten is an English translation of a Greek word. Let me say that again. So begotten to us doesn't mean the same thing in Greek. So when we hear begotten, we have to understand it in its original context. Okay. so uh, when, when you understand the word in the Greek meaning, not a transference of the English meaning, begotten here means one and only one of a kind, one of a class of its own, the only one of its kind. Are you here? So John was primarily concerned, watch this, with demonstrating that Jesus, watch this again, I'm going to show you something, is the son of God. And he uses this word to highlight Jesus as uniquely God's son. Now, when he says God's son, that word son, it, it, it has the connotation or it means sharing the same divine nature as God opposed to those of us who are adopted sons daughter of God uh, in, the, in the body of Christ. No, this type of son has the same divine nature as the father. He is the only one of this kind. Are you here? We were made after his likeness and image, but this kind, there's only one of this type. Are you here? So Jesus is not God's son in the sense of how we think of a father and son relationship. Of course, we know God didn't get married and have a son. Je- in the sense, Jesus, is God's son. Jesus, is God's son. In the sense that he is God made manifest in human form. So w- when he when he was articulating this in that culture, they knew exactly what he was saying. So you are saying this? You are calling yourself God? Are you here? It's, it's also in theology called the hypostatic union. That's a term used to describe how God, the Son, Jesus Christ took on human nature yet remained fully God at the same time. So he wasn't half man, half God. He was fully man when he came as well as fully God. Are you here? Who's with me so far? So begotten here means one and only one of a kind, one of a class of its own. The only one of its kind. This kind here has the same divine nature as the father. <laughs> this one here is God in the flesh. Y'all hear? Seeing Christ in creation. Let's go to Genesis 1, 26. So, so when we when we hear son of God, oh boy, ooh, ooh. I, matter of fact, I'm, uh, I'm going to show you where Jesus, uh, matter of fact, he used it on some of the scribes and the religious leaders, and they could not answer. He shut them down. But I won't show you today, I know. Seeing Christ in creation. Let's go to the beginning. Genesis 1:26. Are you here? Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, uh, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That word, notice it says, then God, Elohim, a masculine plural now talking about God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, or then the word. Are you here? So look at the plural, let us. Do you see it? And the plural pronoun, our. We know he's not talking about angels because angels didn't participate in the creation of man, nor was man created in the image and likeness of angels. So we know he's not saying to the angels, let us. Are you here? So already here in the first chapter in the book of beginnings. So those who hold to the Torah, and that's it. Right here we see the plurality of God. Let us. So already in the first chapter of Genesis, we have an indication of the plurality of plurality of persons, God Himself. Let's look at it again. Genesis 3:22. Well, why we gotta go on? Why can't we just jump into the gospel? To deny Christ's involvement in creation is to deny the gospel. You, you can't re- embrace the gospel. Without embracing his involvement, salvation cannot be found in no other name. And if I don't understand this, you will search for other names (laughs) or you will perhaps believe that it can be found in other names. Are you here? Genesis 3, 22. Then God, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one. Do y'all see this? One of us. to no good and evil. And now let uh, and now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live uh, forever. Genesis 11:7. Watch this. Come, let us go down. Let who? Us. Go down and confuse their language. This is the Tower of Bible situation. That they may not understand one another's speech. When Isaiah is called to be a prophet, look what he said. This is Isaiah 6 and 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, watch this, whom shall I send? And who shall? Will go for us. Then I said, Here I am, send me. Note the combination of the singular I and the plural in the same sentence. The singular and the plural. What do you mean? Whom shall I send? Singular. And who will go for us? Plural. Now, let's look at several other passages where one person is called God or the Lord and is distinguished from another person who is also said to be God. So, see, and what we're establishing here is that we cannot. To deny Christ's involvement in creation is to reduce him to just a good man like all the other people who have died and still dead. Y'all miss what I just said. Is to reduce him to all the other good teachers. They were good prophets who died. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com